Hey everyone, uh, so today it's been a tough few days um, for me. I've been, you know, watching everything that's unfolding uh, regarding George Floyd and um, I've been lucky enough to speak with uh, Soul Rack today just on... Um, basically racism in America and uh, it's a great talk um, I hope you enjoy um, as a sociologist I am a huge fan of Jane Elliott um, she's an anti-racism activist uh, if you don't know about her please google her she's uh, famous for her blue-eyed and brown-eyed experiment and uh, she's basically taught kids a very important life lesson just about um, valuing all human life and it's something I'm sure those kids have carried on uh, with them it's a powerful experiment check it out on YouTube uh, you just you could google it um, but one of the other things that um, is very powerful that she did um, I mean was she asked a group of white students um, in like university or college just to um, raise their hands if you want to be treated like a black person in America and of course you know nobody in the room raises their hand and she just totally calls them out and she says uh, so what that says you know very plainly to me is that you know what's happening you know you don't want it for your yourself and you know she says I want to know why you're willing to allow it to happen to others and um, it's such a powerful simple message um, and I think it speaks to what's happening right now in America. Um, you know, racism exists. It's very, very real. Um, and I think everyone should be fighting to end it. We know it is. It's easy and it's nice to pretend that it's not happening. Um, and, you know, cases like this with George Floyd just... Um, bring that up uh, right to the surface for everybody and you know there's a lot of people out there that are very angry when these things happen I'm angry when these things happen and um, it just serves as a reminder that we need to stop this we need to come together and we need to end racism so please enjoy um, my discussion with Solrak. Glad to be back again. It was always a wonderful thing to talk with my colleague, Black Canadian, as we discuss historical events, but at the same time, we're conscious and we're aware of what's going on in the world today. So we feel it would be disingenuous um, if we did not address what's happening uh, in America and what's being discussed around the world. 
absolutely. Um, obviously, uh, we're talking about uh, George Floyd and just uh, what's been happening the last few days. So uh, I think we're going to talk about that today. Yes, we will. We'll talk about him. Uh, we'll talk about over-policing and the Black communities, mm-hmm. uh, as well as police brutality, because it's all linked in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I like to deal with the the roots, mm-hmm. because uh, some of the things that we're seeing today and experiencing today, whether we see it on social media or on our TV, or we hear about it through podcasts, uh, whatever uh, element that you use to hear about news, um, these things that we deal with today are are based on a century old caricature that's been going on for uh, centuries. Um, and mainly is, is centered around the idea, idea of the brute character character. I've always missed that one up, <laughs> but <laughs> nevertheless, uh, this particular idea, um, started back in the 1900s. I think it started longer than that, but we'll just say as far as records go, we noticed that it started before then. And I drew the information that I'm sharing with you right now is from the Jim Crow Museum, which is known to be a very credible um, resource. And some of the information I'll be using will be quoted from some of the information that's there. And the reason I did that, because I want to make sure that I articulate this view or this experience very well. And also I want to give credibility to them because it's, it's a, definitely a museum that every person should go to to see how Jim Crow has impacted our country and just see some of the symbolism and different things that's related to it. So I want to make sure I do give them a shout out before we began um, this discussion today. But um, if we talk about this this particular uh, image, um, it basically what it was done or the reason it, w- it was a useful tool to create fear. Uh, one of the ways to control people is through fear and by you create a false reality uh, to people to make them believe something that doesn't have any merit. But if you repeat a lie over and over again, which uh, one of the news stations here in America called Fox News, they do that consistently. Mm-hmm. And that's why they can help perpetuate Trump and all of his false statements, because you repeat a lie over and over again, people will believe it unless you challenge mm-hmm. it with truth. All right. But just to talk about the brute, the brute was seen as a black man or well portrayed black man is innately savage um, mm. animalistic destructive and criminal deserving punishment maybe death so that was the end result so how do you deal with these brutes let's go ahead and punish them and let's take them out uh, they were anti-social menace and black brutes are depicted as hideous hideous terrifying predators who who target helpless victims especially white women now this is going to mm. tie into Amy Cooper as we get further mm-hmm. on, but mm-hmm. I want to, but I want to kind of <laughs> set the the foundation just so people can understand what this character meant and how it was pr- portrayed throughout history. I'm going to talk about a couple of those examples, three to be exact, and then eventually we'll talk about Emmett Till, which will kind of be like the icing on the cake. Mm. But um. One of the things that we want is um, one of the writers uh, by the name of George T. Wilson. Now, this was written in 1901. It's called Negro mm-hmm. Folk. It's called Negrophobic. And basically, in his book, he written uh, a statement where he said, when a knock is heard at it, at the door, a white woman shudders with nameless horror. The black brute, excuse me, is lurking in the dark. A monstrous beast, crazed with lust. His 
ferocity is almost demonic. A made a mad bull, a tiger could scar- could scarcely be more brutal. A whole community is frenzied with horror, with the blind and furious rage for vengeance. So this is creating this thought pattern mm. and and cementing this idea in the psyche of white America, and it's perpetuating a lie or myth. So people mm-hmm. can be in fear of the black man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, another example of that would be the book that was written by uh, 1905 by Dixon. He, he published a novel called The Klansman. And basically in his statement, The Klansman includes a detailed and gory account of the rape of a young white virgin by a black brute. A single, basically he wrote this, this in his book, a single tiger springs and the black claws of the beast sink into the soft white throat. After the rape, the girl and her mother both commit suicide, and the black brute is lynched by the Ku Klux Klan. And this was the book that was served as the basis for a movie called The Birth of a Nation, which was by Thomas Dixon. And mm-hmm. The Birth of a Nation basically is like the esteemed book in the Ku Klux Klan. Um, mm-hmm. This movie was even shown in the White House, <laughs> you know, so... This mm-hmm. and millions of people saw this particular movie. So this mindset mm-hmm. or this mm-hmm. ideology was cemented mm-hmm. with these stories and with the and with this movie. Mm-hmm. It's uh, important that I, I don't think people understand where the history is coming from. This innate fear mm-hmm. that people uh, have of you know, black people, especially, um, you know, black men. And it's Mm -hmm. that you're noting that it's going way back, you know, even probably before, you know, 1901, Mm -hmm. there's such a history of that. So, you know, that fear that um, the fear that they're trying to generate and create here is very old, you know, at least a century old. So, um, yeah, it's amazing what, you know, people are trying to create here um, against uh, human beings. So, yeah, just wanted to, you know, flag that there in 1901. Exactly. So. Isn't that something? <laughs> and then, yeah, <laughs> I, I think Public Enemy summed it up properly when they said fear of a black planet. Um, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, that's why it was so much of a backlash when Obama became president because oh, yes. of the fear of the, well, I mean, without, regardless of what they do as far as politically, they cannot mm-hmm. control that the country, America, is becoming browner um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that, you know, the white majority will become the minority in a period of time. And mm-hmm. Obama, some people refer to as a white lash when Trump was a nominate, nominated because mm-hmm. there was racial animus because of mm-hmm. a, a black president was, um, was voted in now let me put a disclaimer out there i don't want to encourage anyone to be anti-white or anti-police mm. by what we're discussing let me put that disclaimer out there because yes. there are some sincere white people that do believe in challenging the status quo um i mm-hmm. I, I see online you know sometimes and i'm not going to discourage anyone from expressing their views they have the right to do that that's the purpose of social mm-hmm. media but i think mm-hmm. we i think we discourage um, when there are sincere white people, when we try to check them, or we try to say, well, are you sincere or not? Um, <laughs> I think we should encourage these behaviors because mm-hmm. part of the reason mm-hmm. the civil rights movement was successful, it wasn't just because black people were marching 
are losing their yes. lives. They were white people that was on the front line as well. So we have to be open-minded to white people. Mm-hmm. Even Malcolm X stated when he formed his uh, new organization after he left the Nation of Islam, he was saying that white people can help. They couldn't join us. So we have to yeah. be open-minded to people that are sincere because yeah. this fight can't just be a fight that only falls within our culture, but we have to be inclusive, not exclusive. <laughs> so I want to put that disclaimer out there because I know there are people who would just say, well, hey, you know, let's, you know, F all the white people and, you know, let's kill all the police officers. That's not what I'm advocating. That's not what we're advocating. If that's yeah. what you advocate, then that's what you advocate. But I don't want what we do or what we say to be misconstrued and taken in a um, negative light. Yeah, I think it's very important to know we need allies um, in whatever form they come in. And, you know, for some people, um, you know, it's only they're only going to hear uh, our voices mm-hmm. if it's coming through, you know, unfortunately, uh, someone who looks like them. So mm-hmm. I absolutely say allies, anyone who's for justice, who's for peace, you know, absolutely, whatever they look like, you know, that's great. Exactly. So 100% that yeah okay great I'm, yeah because i know we agree on that and again like i yeah. said you know if you want to pull my black card because i made that statement so do it but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i was born black and i'm gonna die black so nothing's gonna change that you know so but we'll, yes. but we'll move on because uh we definitely have a whole lot to discuss today but i wanted mm-hmm. to kind of bring like we said we, we set the foundation and you know, with all of these things that were prevalent during these times, um, if we speak from a historical perspective, they created that fear. And that fear was implemented even more so during the Jim Crow era. Um, and that's why when Jimmy Till, you know, he came, he was only 14 years old. He came from Chicago to visit his relatives. And because he is, there are different accounts, but one account says that he called the store a white store clerk baby. Another says he whistled. And either way, whatever he allegedly did, it was seen as, you know, uh, injustice and the Jim Crow era. You know, you couldn't look a white man in the eye. You couldn't shake his hand. You couldn't ride in the truck in the front seat. You had to ride in the back. Um, There was, of course, there was um, against interracial relationships or dating. So all of these different things occurred during that time. And even though today they're not, you know, they're seen differently because we have integrated. But, you know, through segregation, Jim Crow law. If you did something like that, that could be, that was death. Yeah. Just imagine that. Yeah. That was death. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they could just come to your home. Now, this, now mm-hmm. we have to mind, this is a 14-year-old boy. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, was a child. <laughs> so he, he was taken out of the home, mm-hmm. beaten to death. His head was crushed mm-hmm. and one of his eyes gouged out. And they threw him in the mm-hmm. uh, Tallahatchie River. And yeah. these men were caught. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. This is similar to what we're dealing with today. It's a parallel. That's why I wanted to bring mm-hmm. it out. These men were mm-hmm. caught, tried, found innocent by an all-white jury, and the case, mm-hmm. and this was a catalyst to the civil rights movement, but this just showed the brutality that happened in Jim Crow. In mm-hmm. Jim Crow. And if you, if you went against any of their perceived etiquette rules or laws or even the customs at that point. So all of these things contribute to a mindset uh, based on a myth or some type of mythology that were created centuries ago. And ultimately the goal was to create a fear because the fear you wanted to create, because if the fear existed, you can justify killing black men or black people 
through the means of lynching. Not only did it do that, it was a method of control to keep the black community intact. Mm -hmm. It was used. It mm -hmm. was used to prevent people from voting. It was used to prevent black people from applying for white jobs. Uh, it prevented you mm -hmm. from complaining publicly. Do not organize. Do not talk to white women. Do not do certain things. So all of these customs mm -hmm. were cemented not only in the mind of black people but in white people. So it was like, okay, if I went and hung out, or I was mm. with anyone that was, you know, white. If I did something mm -hmm. that was considered wrong or injustice, they could lynch me. Yeah. You know. Of course. That's the, that's yeah. the craziness of it. Mm-hmm. It's a very real threat. So. With, yeah. So when you consider that, that's why Amy Cooper understood <laughs> the power mm -hmm. of what she was doing. And mm -hmm. that's why. And I, I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make this statement, and it, it could be seen however it wants to be seen. But that's why uh, white women or white people, when you put on this idea that hey, I'm gonna call the police on you, mm. you are using fear to either mm. control a black population or you're using to motivate people to take action for injustice mm -hmm. that you perceive. It's not an injustice to have a barbecue. <laughs> mm. My family and I should go to a place and have a barbecue, whether it's in a ritzy area or it's in the hood. It shouldn't matter where I have a barbecue. I, that's my human right. That's my God-given right. That's my right as an American citizen to have a barbecue. I should be able to go to my apartment without you blocking my door because I don't look like I belong there. Those things yeah. should not be an issue in America or elsewhere because I don't look mm -hmm. like I played a part or you don't feel that I belong there. And so you shouldn't use that as a tool of control or to initiate fear because I, mm. I corrected you. This man just told her that, hey, you need to put your dog on the mm. lease. And because she didn't like mm -hmm. what he said, she called mm -hmm. the police and pretended that she was being threatened. And this man wasn't doing mm. nothing but videotaping. <laughs> and and glad, good thing he mm. did because if he didn't, who knows what the outcome would have been. Now imagine. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I know. I was going to say exactly the the taping. I think um, I think, yeah, Amy Cooper, she's since like, you know, you know, made various statements about how she's not a racist. And I think it's I can absolutely say it's absolutely disgusting that it it, it is threatening his life mm -hmm. by saying he feels endangered, you know, by him just because she didn't like that. He was telling her to frankly um, obey the laws. Uh, of the park um, she just felt like she had no he had no right um, to speak to her and you know correct her or tell her what to do and I think the interaction would have been a hundred percent different if he was a white man and you know to pretend different is is you know just frankly stupid um, I think her, she is completely aware of that even if she doesn't know it by name mm -hmm. she knows the the power she holds and the fear and the false history that's been you know built in her favor to have to say that as a white woman i'm afraid of a black man she knows that um what kind of power that holds and she's wielding it um irresponsibly and you know like quite honestly disgusting like it, exactly. it's, it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous. Exactly. And that's why I want to show the connection between 
what was going on with the birth of a nation, what was going on with these, uh, with the brute caricature, because there Mm -hmm. was books that were written that even on the cover, they had a black man chasing a white woman. And I saw one where her shirt was open and her breasts were exposed and just trying to create this imagery or this image of how Mm -hmm. black men are a threat to our white women and how, um, Black men are a threat to society and not just black men, but black people in general, but primarily black men, mm-hmm. because ultimately the goal was to to create this image. Um, so that way we can justify killing black men or imprisoning black men. And this this conversation mm-hmm. goes deeper than where we're going right now, but we'll have to probably have a part two to continue it. But um, that's why, like you said, she wielded her power. I like how you said that. That was a great mm-hmm. word to you to sum it up. She wielded her power, whether she did it. Um, well, I think she did it intentionally because she she mm-hmm. did it. She said it over three times. It wasn't like she just said, well, I'm going to call the police on you and left it at that. Mm-hmm. She even acted out the role. She even, I'm in danger. Yeah. You know, and so, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was definitely intentional. You can't and you can't. And people mm-hmm. think because they don't go to wear a Klan's uniform uh, or they mm-hmm. don't, you know, don't probably read uh Clan or neo-Nazi material that they're not racist. Racism is a mm-hmm. mindset in an action. Um, if you think a certain mm-hmm. way, this is how you can test whether you have some racist uh, ideologies or uh, racist belief system is that whenever a black person or a white person get confronted with a cop and you quickly assume mm-hmm. they did something for the cop to kill them or hurt them, mm-hmm. then that means that you're bored that you're pretty much harboring these thoughts because Mm. And the, the challenge that when a white man get pulled over or get killed in the same mm-hmm. instances, do you have those same thoughts? That's the way that you can mm-hmm. just you can find out. That's a quick test to find out <laughs> whether you harbor these belief systems or not. Yes. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. And and, and so if we, as we continue, we, we look at the central part five. I'm just naming it just for a moment. They're mm-hmm. actually referred to now as the exonerated uh, five because they were exonerated. But mm-hmm. a lady by the name of Tricia, um, forgive me if I mispronounce the name, I think it's Melly, body was discovered in New York uh, Central Park, being in New York City, for those who live outside the United States, on April 20th, 1989. And basically she was beaten badly and repeated, repeatedly raped, and she was in a coma for about two weeks and had and retained no memory of the attack. Now, she was a 28 year old white investment banker who was just out for a nightly job but she was brutalized and the cops erroneously arrested now i'm gonna gonna give you the ages because this is important this is why i'm doing it Mm. they convicted five blacks and latino teens uh antron mccrae was 15 at the time kevin richardson was 15 yusuf salon was 15 raymond santana was 14 and Corey Wise was 16, and they were known, as we know, mm-hmm. as the Central Park Five. So these guys, they were mm-hmm. erroneously arrested. They were imprisoned because they were in the same area at the time that the crime was committed. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. they were in prison from six years to 13 years. The mayor, who was the mm-hmm. New York City mayor, Ed Cart, called it the crime of the century. And... And Mm -hmm. Donald Trump, who was our president today, he said, bring back the death penalty and bring back our police. He put Mm -hmm. out a big ad, a one page ad saying, oh, yes. Now, this was the mindset of the Mm -hmm. people because there was a white woman that was raped. She almost died. Mm -hmm. And there were black boys in the area. Mm -hmm. 
And so they assume, let's mm -hmm. go ahead and kill them. Basically, that's what it's saying. Go ahead and kill them. Yeah. Let's lock them up for the rest of their yeah. life. Because we allege they did the crime. Now, it took mm -hmm. DNA evidence and a confession from the guy that actually mm -hmm. did it, Matias Reyes, who was mm -hmm. the only person to do it. Mm -hmm. And even with all of that, it still took time for these guys to get out of prison because of this incident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's sort of like a modern day lynching. Mm -hmm. It's sort of, you know, with the they're using the you know the law supposedly to um to punish these boys for being black mm -hmm. and brown you know it's just it's just ridiculous they didn't need any evidence except that they were there um nearby in the area and they had you know brown exactly. skin yeah and uh yeah just just shocking that they could you know ruin lives this way Sort of what racism exactly. does. And, and, you know, the, and the tragedy or the saddest part of all of this that we're discussing is that this is ongoing. This is happening all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are just mm -hmm. some examples, but this is something that happens on an ongoing, ongoing basis. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the other sad part about it, and if those of you who don't have a strong recollection of this particular um, incident, you can watch the movie How They See Us, which was a great movie. It was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on there now, but it was a great movie to watch. And it gives you a very candid view of what happened and mm. what happened after these guys were released. And some of these guys, especially one of the guys, he's, you know, and he has a right to be. He's still angry um, because, you know, his relationship and his father was severed because of this incident. And, you know, him and his father never been able to repair their life together. And his father died, unfortunately, uh, without their without some closure. Um, so these things ruin lives. And that's why when you have an Amy Cooper or if you, you know, when a person says, well, hey, you're threatening me and he's like basically trying to set you up so they can call the police on you or get you, you know, as we say, say cased up, um, you have mm -hmm. to realize the power of your words and the power of the act because these are century old mm -hmm. events that occurred. But we'll go ahead and just talk about a couple of more and then we'll get into George Floyd because that's the issue that we want to really uh, spend a lot of time on today. Not saying that the other ones weren't equally important. They are. But we want to talk about that of because course. we definitely want to get into over-policing as well as police brutality. But these other two are, are well, one of them is another example of police brutality. And she isn't a, a male, but she is a black woman uh, by the name of Breonna Taylor. She was a 26-year-old emergency medical technician, and she was killed by the Louisville Metro Police <laughs> who came in her house on March 13th. Mm -hmm. They raided her home where she and her boyfriend, mm -hmm. Kenneth Walker, were sleeping. And she was shot eight times after waking up. They just blatantly killed mm -hmm. her um, mm -hmm. and she was taken out. And some of the protests that we're seeing are related to her as well, uh, related to her incident. Yes. So even though there are some for George Floyd, there have been some related to uh, Breonna Taylor incident. And I want to also mention on February 23rd. Now, look how close all of these are. They're not even... They're barely a month apart, some of these things. Um, on March, February 23rd, Ahmaud Marquis Arbery, he was just taking a jog in, in Georgia, you know, just mm -hmm. taking a jog. And he was confronted by two white residents, uh, one by Travis Mac McMichael and his father, Gregory McMichael. And basically, they felt he didn't belong mm -hmm. there. Um, <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and with that being mm -hmm. said, they, they claimed that there were uh, trespassing or some break-ins in the area. But the a fight ensued, 
And basically what happened, um, Travis McMichael took kilt, um, and I'll say Avery, and he got shot three times by a shotgun. And those fires killed, and that, mm-hmm. and that killed him. Um, so like I said mm-hmm. before, this is an ongoing tragedy that occurs in America all the time. And it took, they, these guys were free for 74 days before action was taken. Mm-hmm. 74 days. Mm-hmm. That means they went home every day, mm-hmm. ate their lunch, went to work, did all the things that they normally do for 74 days while this man's mm-hmm. family suffered 74 days without an ounce or without an arrest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is... Yeah, it's it's going on and uh, all the time. And it's funny because uh, as I have um you know friends that are you know black males and they talk about Mm -hmm. it all the time about how they have spend their lives you know sort of Mm -hmm. worrying about this unknown uh threat that could pop up at any time um and you know they try to make themselves seem less threatening how can you do that with just you know it doesn't matter where you Mm -hmm. are what you're doing or how or how you appear but they do think that like you know uh, you know, years going back um, with uh, Trayvon exactly. Martin, you know, they were just like, you know, hoodies are out for me now. I'm not, like, they're like, mm-hmm. I'm not wearing hoodies anymore because that's just a reality. And, you know, um, in Canada where I am, people think that, you know, racism isn't um, as, you know, apparent as it is in the U.S. And it is, yes, it it's is. very real, it just it's a little more polite, like I would say, sure. as Canadians are, but it is very, very, very real. And so um, I think it's something that, you know, w- like you were saying, like doing all the things that they normally do. It's just it always struck me as really mm-hmm. sad that my friend had to sort of think about this, you know, based on what even like the little things of what they choose mm-hmm. to wear that day. Oh, they're I'm going into a predominantly white neighborhood so that like, this is out for me. I can't wear that. And I thought it's something um, I want people to know is that they, every single day when they're going out going to school, mm-hmm. like just, you know, going to their job, they have to think about is someone going to see me as a threat because it's, you know, that's just the reality. Exactly. And that's why whenever we drive in the car, like you mentioned earlier, when we go into a predominantly uh, white neighborhood or when we get pulled over by the cops, we ensure that our hands are mm-hmm. on the steering wheel because we want to make sure our hands can be seen mm-hmm. at all times. Um, Philando um, Castile, uh, he, he was killed and he was in his car mm-hmm. and he was telling, he's told the police officer, yes, I do have a gun in my, in my um, glove mm-hmm. department, which that's where it's supposed to be. Um, and mm-hmm. because the cop felt threatened, you know, like you said before, he got mm. killed in his car. Now, the yeah. part that really, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I don't want to ever normalize um, people getting killed by the cops because that's something that will always mm-hmm. be a shock to me. But what was even more shocking mm-hmm. to me was that not only was his girlfriend there, thank God she was filming it on Facebook Live, but there was mm-hmm. a four-year-old girl mm-hmm. who was in the back seat when this happened. Mm-hmm. So she has to grow mm-hmm. up with this image in her head and mm-hmm. it would be no surprise to me if she has a hatred or a dislike towards cops because of what she saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. so again, 
we can't normalize these things. We cannot accept these things as a status mm-hmm. quo. We can't. We got to continue to stand against it. Um, I don't think we need to burn buildings down as a way of, do, of reacting to it. I think we should. I think we should protest. I mean, there's multiple ways we can do it. But don't destroy your neighborhood in mm-hmm. the process as you protest, because we're protesting in some cases, but we burn down black barbershops, black salons, businesses that were established mm-hmm. in the community. Don't burn those buildings down. I wouldn't, adv- I wouldn't advocate you burn any building down, uh, to be quite honest. But I, there are ways to be to protest and to be proactive. But we just have to think about it in a way that we can be constructive, more so than destructive in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll let's we'll get on George Floyd real quick, unless you have more to add to that particular um, topic or subject. Yeah, of course. I was just I was thinking of a joke mm. of just with the police and uh, oh, Chris yes. Rock, who I absolutely <laughs> yes. love. He just has a perfect way of you know summarizing you know these incident incidences. Um, I think it's from a stand up like a really long time ago, and he was talking about how you know whenever we talk about police brutality um you know uh people always like to come back and say you know not all cops you know not Mm -hmm. all cops do this and you know it's Mm -hmm. absolutely true but it's just not a response that you want to hear and i think he says like american airlines you know after there's an airplane crash they don't just say you know all pilots like to land it's sort of like you know the opposite you just it's not there's a time and a place and you just can't say that so um I, oh, yeah. yeah it always makes me laugh Just but that's a good that's comparison. a good point um in fact you know i, I think about this because mm-hmm. i you know i wanted to i think i was thinking about the day i was like um reminiscing over something i wrote in in uh, bell of the beast but one of the parts i wrote in there and it ties into everything in here and i wanted i want to say this before i get into george floyd but one of the lines that was written mm-hmm. says um centuries of degradation that we saw in the book they couldn't break us with chains so they're calling us crooks so a cop can justify when he mm. spilled innocent blood for driving around black or if you live in the hood. And I wanted to say that because that summarizes mm-hmm. basically the challenges that we have because they couldn't break us with change. So they use a different method. They use the psychological component by make criminalizing us, criminalizing mm-hmm. us. So that way our, that way we can be seen as a threat. That way when the cop does kill us or uh, they can be justified. Hey, you know, they're they're a criminal you know they were perceived as a criminal so i can get you know i can do i can get away with this but as we talk about george uh floyd uh we know we know on may 25th mm-hmm. Derek shubin who was a white minneapolis police officer he knelt on floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds now out of the eight minutes mm-hmm. and 46 seconds two minutes and 53 seconds occurred after he was unresponsive so mm-hmm. It was over almost close to three minutes that he was unresponsive. He still mm-hmm. had his knee on his neck, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and the part about it, it wasn't even really necessary for him to put his knee on his neck because there were three other officers that held him down. And there was one officer who was, you know, the, the Asian guy that we saw who was standing there in front of the, you know, in front of the, the, the crowd that was, you know, telling, Hey, you need let mm-hmm. him go get off him or what so have you. Um, but just mm-hmm. imagine that two minutes and 53 seconds, his knee was still on mm-hmm. him after he was unresponsive. Mm-hmm. I want to say that again. Mm-hmm. Two minutes and 53 seconds, mm-hmm. his knee was on George mm-hmm. Floyd 
after he was unresponsive. Mm. That's something to mm -hmm. consider. Yeah. And basically, they they were trying to arrest him based on the allegation that he went to a deli with a fake twenty dollar bill because the guy called the police on him. Now they tried they tried to lie and say he mm -hmm. physically resisted them after being ordered to exit his vehicle. Mm -hmm. But if you saw the surveillance footage, it showed that he didn't he wasn't doing that. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's um it's uh just shocking to think about what would have happened without the mm. video exactly. evidence. Uh yeah, it's uh, it's sad that um you know, we have to rely on this to, you know, have the story believed. It's, um, yeah. And, and you know, I, I liken it to, you know, I compare it to, to, to the death of Eric Gardner in 2014. You know, he was an armed, armed black man who mm -hmm. couldn't breathe. He said 11 times after being placed in a chokehold mm -hmm. choke by a New York police officer during an mm -hmm. arrest in Staten Island. And basically, they really arrested him over cigarettes. He got killed over cigarettes, basically. Mm -hmm. um, because they, and again, mm -hmm. um, the, the thing they would use where he was resisting arrest. How, with George Floyd, when I saw the mm -hmm. video footage of him, they had him laying against a wall. How was he resisting arrest? Before he, before he, mm -hmm. as we see in the video, he was near, near the car and, you know, this guy had his knee on his neck. But, if somebody telling mm -hmm. you they can't breathe, do you think they're lying? <laughs> I mean, what what part of that you don't understand? I mean, you, either you 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 denied this man the freedom to breathe. What do you think will happen mm -hmm. if somebody mm -hmm. tells you like Eric gone over eleven times I can't mm -hmm. breathe, or uh, you got your neck on someone for mm -hmm. close to nine minutes and their body being restrained. How mm -hmm. much resistance can they give you? If you got your knee on my neck, I'm going to try to move and wiggle out of that so I can breathe. So with that resistance... Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, and... Mm -hmm. So with that being said, we we get to the point you're talking about where we see the over-policing and the police brutality, and I, I definitely want to give you an opportunity to speak on that, that part. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something um, that it, it's just sort of an extension of everything that we've been seeing. Um, I know that like the over policing in communities of color is just a reality. It's um, the presumption that there's going to be, you know, crime going on there um, is just uh, it all relates back to the this history um, of the presumption that, you know, um, black men are, you know, innately savage. And, um, it's, uh, I also, <laughs> one of the things that I know it's maybe a little controversial with the, mm -hmm. you know, black lives matter, that movement that's happening. And then, you know, people sort of counter mm -hmm. it with, you know, all lives matter. I, uh, it always just, you know, no one is questioning, the value of all human life. I think when we talk about instances like this and history like this, we have to have a statement. You know, we have to have a movement that, you know, says that, you know, Black Lives Matter because there are people that do not believe that. And, you know, that's why exactly. we have to give voice to it. Um, so that's what, you know, it's, we're not 
saying that all lives don't matter. Of course they do. Um, we just need to give voice to the, the black lives because people are um, ex- just, uh, you know, devaluing human life. I think police brutality um, exists because, frankly, these officers exactly. think that they can get away with it. And yeah, because if they go against, you know, someone who's black, they they just feel that they're going to um, be believed. It doesn't matter what they do. And unfortunately, um, if there isn't video evidence, who knows what the outcome would be? It would probably be in the favor. And of in the some cases, officer. it has been in their favor with video evidence. So that's the that's the saddest mm-hmm. part about it. Yes, that's a, you know, and, and that's yeah, the point. That's I mean, true. just imagine how many are things are happening without video evidence. Uh, imagine mm-hmm. um, we're seeing, I mean, I would say, you know, there, there was a, a myth that, you know, once when Obama became president, that racism was magically gone. Mm. <laughs> but we learned uh, even more so that it's still here. Uh, there, it was just an undergarment. Um, mm. I think Trump, you know, I don't blame Trump for everything that's happening. I believe he's a symptom, a symptom of what's happening, but he's capitalizing mm-hmm. off of it. He's using it for mm-hmm. political capital because, um, you know, he, he stated... Uh-huh. Uh, he, he he put a tweet. He said, "When the looting starts, the shooting starts." Um, and and that's taken from that's a direct quote from a 1960 60 Miami police officer by the name of Walter Hetley, who who said this. Mm-hmm. And you know he 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 was an example of institutional racism. Uh, but he used that. He even said to one point, "He don't mind being you know being blamed for police brutality." Uh, and this was during the 60s. This was mm-hmm. one of the things that uh, was a motivating factor for uh, Muhammad Ali because he was training in the 60s at a gym in Mo- uh, Miami Beach. Um, but so mm-hmm. the, the one thing we can look at that all of these things, as tragic and as horrendous as they are, they do have motive. Uh, they can be a motivating factor to create unity amongst us as people. And they also can give voice mm. to things that have been, you know, in the American underbelly and not just America, but I want to look at it from a worldly perspective, because when people are standing on video, I think one mm. of the reasons that we were able to um, to push the civil rights movement in a higher level was because mm. it was saw on video. Well, it was saw on video on the news cameras when they saw people mm. getting beat, beaten by the police officers and people sicking dogs on them and biting them and chewing these people down for peacefully protesting um, in Selma, Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. So all of these things, video has created opportunity for us. And we have to use this opportunity mm-hmm. to create unity in the process. And let's stop fighting over the small disagreements we have culturally and let's come together as one unit to fight against all of these different things because we can bring about change if we're unified. But if we allow mm-hmm. the smaller things, especially if we're fighting over who's considered um, a descendant of slaves and all of this kind of stuff, let's focus on what really what's mm-hmm. more important because we can't separate one another because you're from the Caribbean or you're from Africa or whatever. You're black. If you drive in the car, I don't think the cop's going to pull you over and say, are you from Jamaica? Are you from 
uh, you're from Africa. You don't care what you're from. He's going <laughs> to shoot you the same as you shoot anybody. So we need to stop these squabbles and focus on the bigger issue and really strive mm-hmm. to create unity within our culture. And I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just want to echo that about unity. Um, I think uh, I people have been quoting this a lot on social media a long a little while ago you know will smith was saying that you know racism isn't getting worse it's getting filmed um and i think it's Mm -hmm. a very powerful thing um for to be able to see it you know with their own eyes unfortunately um that's what it takes to make people believers that you know racism is out there and it's very real and it's impacting uh people's lives every single day um and I think it's a hopefully, um, you know, I think we both like to, you know, think of the positive things, focusing on the positive. Uh, hopefully this is, you know, a catalyst for change that, you know, things can change and get better. And, you know, these instances will be a thing of the past um, and people will just have to read about it in history books because um, they can't even imagine uh, thinking of themselves as superior of another person. So, you know, hopefully that's I'm, the direction I'm hoping we're going that, in. I'm prayerful. And we're going to keep talking yeah. about it on the Black Canadian mm-hmm. podcast. So we need you to continue to listen and support. And, you know, just don't support with a like and retweet. Actually go on um, iTunes, Spotify, the different outlets that are that are available to listen to the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And be sure everyone to please, please, please check out uh, Belly of the Beast by Soul Rack. Oh, thank you. It's amazing, amazing track. Mm-hmm.